This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this weekend are really fascinating because they set up a tension that runs right through the Bible, runs right into the Christian theological tradition. I mean the tension between law and grace. On the one hand, our tradition, going back now to ancient times, going back to ancient Israel, loves the law. On the other hand, there's a kind of freedom from the law. Think of the letters of Paul. That's one of the basic themes in Paul's letters is that we are not justified, set right with God by the law, but now there's a freedom from the law through the grace of Christ. Well, okay, you want to say, which one is it? Are you a religion of law? Are you a religion of grace? Are you both and somehow? How do you make sense of it? Well, here's how the readings for today set it up. The first one is from the book of Deuteronomy. And, of course, that word itself, deuteros nomos, just means the second law. Because the book of Exodus lays out the law of the Ten Commandments. And then in Deuteronomy, we have kind of a reiteration and elaboration of the law. So it's the second law. So in the very title of the book, there's the primacy of law. We hear now Moses speaking to the people. Now, Israel... Hear the statutes and decrees which I am teaching you to observe, that you may live and may enter in and take possession of the land. In your observance of the commandments of the Lord your God, you shall not add to what I command, nor subtract from it. Observe them carefully. Well, that's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Moses, the lawgiver, is laying out the law to the people saying, basically, it's your pride and joy. This is a special gift of God to you, and don't mess with it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. And that's pretty typical now in the Old Testament. The Jews rejoiced in the fact that they were uniquely given the law. But now, now, go over to the Gospel, from the Gospel of Mark, and we hear talk about the Pharisees and the scribes, these kind of fussy, hyper-legalistic people. Here's what we hear. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is to say, unwashed hands. And then Mark elaborates. He probably wrote the gospel now for a non-Jewish audience because he has to explain these things. He says, for the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, see, all, all pious Israelites, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of their elders. Then he goes on, when they go into the marketplace, they do not eat without first purifying themselves, etc., etc. He goes into all of the sort of details of the Mosaic law, the very thing, listen, that's just been praised in reading one, is now being Oh, kind of questioned, if, if not parodied, in the gospel. 
Jesus, of course, comes back at these fussy legalists when they question him, and he says, How well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. So he's throwing into question, if you want, this fussy obsession with the law. Okay, so there's our problem. How do we begin to understand this? How do we solve it? Well, can I apologize in advance to all the non-golfers out there? Because I'm going to use a a golf analogy for this, which I just find helpful. And now expand it really to any sport or any any demanding discipline, like learning a, a musical instrument. The same kind of dynamics obtain. I've got golf on my mind because just recently I had the privilege of going out with a a man who's become a good friend of mine, Chip Beck. Chip uh, has been for many years a professional golfer. Now he's on the Champions Tour, the Senior Tour. But 20 years ago, Chip was one of the very best golfers in the world. He was uh, very competitive at the Masters Tournament, the U.S. Open, etc. And Chip is uh, is from this area. I've come to know him. And he's been so gracious in giving me some some golf uh, lessons. Well, Chip Beck is well-known as a kind of technician of the golf swing. And anyone that's ever wrestled with the difficulty of a golf swing knows there's a lot of technicality involved in it. And Chip is an expert at that. I'll give you a couple examples. You know, the rules that govern a good golf swing. To have that wide uh, shoulder turn. Without that, you're just not going to hit the ball. But yet when you turn your shoulders widely, you can't overturn your hips. There's got to be a right ratio between shoulders and hips. Think of the laws governing the grip. It seems like a very small thing, but any good golfer knows that the way you grip the club influences the rest of your swing. The movement of your body vis-a-vis your arms. If your arms get too far behind your body, too far ahead of your body, the swing is going to be lousy. Now, one of my problems, and it has to do really with all these things I've been talking about, is what they call in the golf world coming over the top. It means that you swing kind of outside the target line and you cut across the ball. That leads to either a hook or a slice. Both of them are possible. So, Chip Beck, this great technician of the golf swing, was watching me. I was hitting balls out on the range, and he's right away with his trained eye noticed all these problems with my swing the main one being this tendency to come over the top so chip explained very patiently to me in this technical language what i was doing wrong how shoulders hips arms body etc were kind of out of line with each other and then he gave me a whole series of frankly difficult drills to try to solve this problem In one of them, now the golfers will be very attentive here, one of them he had me turn my my whole back to the target and to hit toward the target but with my back facing it. What that did is it took the right side of the swing out. It's a way of overcoming this over-the-top problem. He also at one point had me stand on one leg, stand on one foot and hit the ball. Another time with both feet right together. Well, we went on for a couple hours with these drills that were intended, listen now, to place the laws and rules of the golf swing in my body so I'd be able to swing better. Okay, the law, the law. Necessary for golf? You bet. Unless you are naturally gifted, and there are people like that, but most of us aren't. 
unless you're naturally gifted for it, you need laws to govern and guide you in the golf swing. More to it, you need practices that will place those laws in you. So they're no longer just abstractions, but they are actually forming your swing. The law. Those who love golf and whose swing is improved by the law, they learn to love it. They will sing the praise of the law, just as the Old Testament uh, figures will do. Think of the psalmist who sings the praises of the law. Okay. Now that's one side of it. But here's something now that every golfer also knows. If you get fussily obsessed with the laws of the golf swing, you will never hit the ball. Now, you know what I mean, those who have tried. If the things I just went through, coming over the top, shoulder turn, hip angle, ratio between hips and shoulders, uh, elbow position, wrist. Well, if you're thinking about all that, if you're fussing about all of that all the time, you will never actually swing the club. You'll be so paralyzed by this obsession with the details of the law that you'll never be able to hit the ball. What do you need? You need, once that business has become more internalized, then you need to get up there and with a kind of freedom, swing the club. Now, I know all analogies limp, and this one is going to be imperfect, but I think there's a kind of analogy between this and the spiritual life, and it applies to our readings. Are there laws that play a role in the spiritual life? Yes, and we don't repudiate them. I mean, we, we love and we teach the Ten Commandments. We love and we teach the great moral and spiritual laws that come up from the Bible. We try to inculcate them in our kids through a series of practices, don't we? Certain things you do that are meant to place within you the demands of the law. So we, we don't repudiate it. We reverence the law. But don't we at the same time realize now with St. Paul that if you become fussily obsessed with the law, you won't really live. Just like the golfer now who's, who's self-regarding, you know, who's so, so worried about fulfilling all the specific laws of the swing that he becomes cramped, unable to swing. So in a similar way, you can become so obsessed with the details of the spiritual and moral law that you actually stop living. You're not able to respond to God's gracious involvement in your life. You become paralyzed, so to speak. I think now we're getting in the ballpark of what Paul is talking about. Paul, who knew the law, he was a Pharisee himself, studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew the law. But then he found in Christ a kind of freedom. Now listen, Not to repudiate the law. Paul continues as a Christian to reverence the law. But he finds in Christ a kind of freedom. And I would say it's the internalization of the law that happens through grace. Now, there's something else. And again, the golf analogy, though it limps, I think there's something something here. People that know the rules of golf and the rules of the swing 
can become very difficult to others. <laughs> now, again, golfers know what I'm talking about. If you're up there on the tee box and a friend of yours is teeing off and you know, you know the rules, you know what's supposed to govern the swing, you can start fussing about them, <laughs> can't you? You start noticing all the problems with their swing and your knowledge of the law can lead you to condemn them. Now, this is very close, I think, to what Paul is driving at. Paul, who was a Pharisee, Paul, who knew this tendency, that I can use my knowledge of the law to undermine you, to unnerve you. You know, again, stay with the golf thing. One of the best ways, if you're, if you're trying to beat someone at golf, one of the best ways to unnerve them is to point out one of the flaws in their swing. <laughs> that can throw them off for the entire round of golf. So, Paul said, I can use the law in an aggressive way. I can point out your moral and spiritual faults. And, brothers and sisters, don't we love to do precisely that? We can use our own knowledge of the spiritual moral laws to attack our brothers and sisters. That's when the law becomes not a means toward freedom, but becomes a kind of weapon of aggression. That's another way I think that the law can actually work at cross purposes to the deepest spiritual truth. And so I'll just say as we bring this to a close, let these readings stay in a healthy tension in your heart. Let the law stay in healthy tension with grace. We need both. That's true. We don't repudiate the law. But grace is greater than the law. That living in Christ that gives me a kind of freedom from the fussy obsession with the law and also a freedom from this tendency to use the law aggressively. Let this tension remain in you. Don't try to resolve it. Because out of that tension comes, I think, the real power of the spiritual life. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call one 866 That's 1-866-928-1237.